0: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by David Jeans, Senior Vice President of Payer, Employer, and Health Plan Strategy at Parkview Health in Fort Wayne, Indiana. David, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. appreciate you including me.
0: Now, before we dive into our discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Absolutely. So I have been the privilege of working for Parkview now for four years, leading their payer strategy areas, as well as health plans and, and employer relationships. Uh, prior to that, I spent most of my career working for large national payers and spent a little time in pharma and have had a heavy focus on using data to drive analytics, value-based agreements, and how to drive improvements, whether it be quality or cost, using data as the basis.
0: Got it. That's, that's fantastic to hear. And it'll just be, you know a really interesting perspective to bring into this conversation because I know data and value-based care is really, really important these days. Now, I'm wondering, what are your top one or two issues that are consuming most of your time today? Well,
1: certainly I would say that healthcare cost is, is in the forefront of a lot of what we're looking at and trying to understand what's the driver. It's a complex system where people like to look at hospital as one aspect, but really government physician, pharmacies, payers, all of those together create the system that's given us exactly the prices that the system is designed to have. And so looking at how do we work those together to change them. And the other thing that's certainly primary in our minds is around this shift of health insurance risk to providers through value-based care or value-based contracting. Got
0: it. That's that's really interesting to hear. And so through those conversations that you are having with insurance companies, um, what is kind of the that the tenor around them for value-based care? What do you really see as being viable and something that um, you may be able to jump into over the next year or two?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I can say for for the health plans that we operate, we've already moved into that value-based place, as well as part New as a health system has also contracted for providing value-based care for a fairly significant portion of their populations, some of the things that that almost immediately come up that we need to address is is administrative burden. And and this is a case, it's it's not about making these processes of coordinating between the payers and the providers more efficient. It's a payer. It's about getting comfortable with the fact of, in a risk-based arrangement, that risk is transferred to the provider, let them run the process. So it's getting rid of the processes so that your patients can get a better experience so that you can reduce costs on both sides and then that cost can transition back to savings for employers for patients or or any of the many constituents involved so that's that administrative burden one seems to come up a lot the other area i'd say that we're spending a lot of time on is quality measurement and moving towards standardization as a payer, we I can tell you we have contracts with literally thousands of providers, and the health systems have contracts with hundreds of payers, and each of those payers has dozens of contracts, and so the complexity of creating custom quality measurement versus standardized quality measurement creates a huge hassle and expense for both sides, so I'd say that's a an area that we continue to look at is to how do you become more standard, um, and even beyond that, to say the authorization space. So as we look at, you know, there's industry standards out there from Milliman, from Interqual, Optum, but then there's also unique standards for each organization, whether it be the payer or the provider that they use, and again, they're all individually viable. It's when you get the combination that as you're moving to value-based contracts, you've got to create that simplicity in value-based care. The providers need to know how to give care. The patients want a better experience. They don't want to be waiting a week or two weeks to say, am I going to get the care that I've already been told I need? And so getting to to that standardization around quality, around Processes and so forth will make a, a huge difference. And then I'll say the last thing is that is the getting providers with this comfort level around talking about costs in terms of the population or per member per month. And and the individual price per service starts to be much less relevant. If you want to ensure that a patient has access to care and you want to ensure that they're getting the best quality and they're managing chronic conditions, if the way you do that is a particular service is a little more expensive or a particular service is a little less expensive, becomes a lot more or a lot less impactful, if you will, than when you're looking at are you preventing that patient from needing to go to the ER? Is that member not having an inpatient stay because they've done a better job managing their costs? You know, one example that uh, one of our partners uh, has accomplished is in the primary care space, you know, having diabetics work with a clinical pharmacist when they're struggling to manage their their condition. And you look at that, you know, diabetes is sort of that holy grail right now in the, in the insurance and in the healthcare industry of how to really turn the cost curve and going in the other direction. Working with clinical pharmacists, They've seen statistical improvements in lower costs because there's fewer ER visits, fewer inpatient stays. They've seen significant improvements in cost and quality in terms of screenings, like the eye exams that diabetics need and the checking for necropathy. And, and then on top of that, you're seeing that the key markers like A1C scores are becoming much better and moving them towards a stable state. The challenge, of course, is that for the providers, the reimbursement for those clinical pharmacists covers only about 10% of their costs. So the providers are being asked to take a loss um, providing that care on a price standpoint, but on a PMPM cost, how do you control the cost of the population as a whole, and how do you control the cost for that patient? It's worth investing in those pharmacists, and so I think that those are areas where you know, looking at per member per month costs. To measure how are things moving are we making the improvements we want it's it's intrinsic as a payer that you would work that way it's a new concept for most providers and their contracts don't encourage them to think in that way yet value-based contracts will create that aligned incentive if you will to start working in that way
0: Got it. That's really interesting to hear. And, you know, it dovetails into my next question about value-based care. How do you see it evolving over the next few years, especially that conversation between payers and providers? Is it a situation where it can become more sophisticated um, with some of this knowledge and data and expertise? Or how do you see things going?
1: I see this as really becoming more and more in the forefront. I mean, we've been talking about it for 10, 15, 20 years in different ways. And I'd say now the environment with all the new ways of delivering care, the more sophistication you're seeing develop in provider communities. And the more sophistication, honestly, that's happening in the payer side also is opening those doors. So some of the big opportunities that I would say that really can help accelerate this by creating wins for providers and payers uh, benefit design is one area that I think we'll have to look at. We know that uh, right now with high deductible health plans with, or consumer-directed health plans, that a lot of those patients, even when they have insurance, can't afford their part when they need care. And they receive the care, and so what that results is bad debt and charity on the, on the hospital side, which then translates into higher rates. As we move down this path, in the end, it doesn't seem to be reducing cost. It's just resolving itself through higher rates over time. So I think that's an area of opportunity in the value-based world to rethink that because you can more effectively control those costs. Moving decisions to the provider or the point of care is another great example where this opportunity is going to create value on the provider side in terms of less frustration, better patient experience, and lower administrative burden, we know that typically, for example, in care management, patients are much more likely to engage with their physician or their doctor than they are with a call from their payer's care management staff. So instead of having everybody do it, if we can start to centralize where the most effective place is, that creates better satisfaction and lower costs at the same time. So those are some examples where, as we become more innovative in thinking about the work versus everybody doing the work, we can progress to better value and lower costs and actually a better experience at the same time. In the last piece, I'll say that I really see a, a significant, disruptor in here is the digital space. That creates an opportunity for a much broader footprint by providers than they've had in the past because they can cover a broader range of area with specialists than they were able to do before. And then you also have a lot of disruptors in the digital end to to help create value-based opportunities. And the challenge that I'd say the industry is gonna face is how do we integrate it all back together again? So digital creates a huge opportunity, but it also comes the challenge of expanding significantly the number of providers giving care in your young and healthy or non-chronic condition patients. That's wonderful. When you're trying to manage chronic condition patients, it may not be so wonderful. And I think that is something the industry is going to have to solve as we go down into this value-based world to ensure optimal costs and outcomes as we move through the process.
0: That makes a lot of sense and really, it seems like, would be valuable um, overall to make sure that patients have access to the care that they need. Um, and interesting, too, to, to know that there's space for additional digital transformation in, in kind of optimizing there. Do you see any other opportunities really for innovation in healthcare delivery overall or especially considering what we've been through over the past uh, few years with COVID-19?
1: I, I think that we'll continue to see that evolve. Digital has got one aspect of it that we've talked about a lot. You've got those organizations that you know allow you to call in and have a, a virtual appointment. The other place that digital, I think, can have a significant impact in the value-based world is, is in-person care. Uh, and, and I think we're still just on the tip of how to make that effective you have a patient show up at their primary care physician for a regular appointment, and there's a need for a consultation with a cardiologist. With digital technologies today, is it possible while they're in the office with their primary care doctor to have that digital cardiology consult, so that you don't need another in-person visit? The patient will actually receive the care. As we all know, if you'd be told to go see a new doctor, sometimes you go, and, but not always. And so I'd say that's an area where even further transformation can happen is starting to leverage resources when you're in the office, as well as making it accessible when you're outside.
0: Well, David, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Thank you very much. I enjoyed meeting with you today, Laura.